How do you know you're up to date? When you follow EMS World, you answer that question with confidence. Because when we say EMS World, we mean the whole world of EMS. The remaining question for you is how will you stay up to date? In print, online, at EMS World Expo, the world's largest EMS dedicated conference, and now in a podcast. Welcome to another episode of EMS World Podcasts. I'm your host, Mike McCabe. We've spoken a lot about the need for interoperability lately. Without question, a reliable interoperable network that first responders can communicate on is paramount to operational success. Recognizing this need, the federal government took steps to develop something called the First Responder Network Authority, or FirstNet, back in 2012. FirstNet will likely ring a bell in the minds of most responders, as even those with the least amount of technological wisdom have heard of this term at some point. What you may not realize, however, is the fact that FirstNet is a nationwide broadband wireless network for first responders deployed through the first-of-its-kind public-private partnership between the federal government and AT&T. So what does this all mean? And how is it benefiting the first responder community? And more importantly, how is it impacting the EMS and mobile health industry? Joining me today are two gentlemen with answers to these questions. Mr. Tommy Smith and Mr. Gary McCarraher are from FirstNet and from FirstNet Authority, respectively. Gents, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Welcome. Good to be with you. So I think it's safe to say that the majority of responders or boots on the ground folks know one thing about technology, and that is that they want it to work. Beyond that, it really depends on their areas of expertise. As we start off, Tommy, maybe you can touch a bit upon the history of FirstNet and how it all came about. Well, after 9-11, there was a lot of uh, um, review of what took place in 9-11 around communications and it was discovered that uh, there wasn't a lot of interoperability. And as you know, uh, there were a lot of different agencies that responded to 9-11 to assist FDNY and, and NYPD with, uh, with the response. And there was a lot of interoperability and difficulty communicating with different agencies. And so there was a group that got together and started to lobby the federal government that we need to improve communications uh, across agencies when there's a big national event that's taking place. And so in 2012, uh, the discussion happened and there was a law that was passed in 20, and I can't remember the dates, but I think it was 20, somewhere around 2012. And Gary, please help me out with this. AT&T was awarded the contract. And yeah, that was in 2017. 2017. 2017, and I think it was 2018, uh, FirstNet went live. And so here we are four years later, where we have the ability to communicate across uh, agencies with all the different partners that may respond to or jurisdictions to assist with the hosting agency of a disaster if it were to occur. Interesting. And, and you know, Tommy, you had said that, you know, 9-11, obviously, I, I, I actually was at 9-11, and I can certainly uh, back up the theory that interoperability was almost non-existent at that point. And I think that change is, is usually um, shepherded in through the actions of those that are part of the industry. And, you know, yourself, you are a, uh, a retired fire chief. Uh, and Gary McCarraher, who also is a, uh, a retired fire chief out of Massachusetts, 
Gary, you're part of the the first net authority, which is the public side of the house when it uh, it comes about with the first net platform. Maybe talk a little bit about that uh, position and and what comes with that and how first net rolled out through the federal government. Sure, and thank you. Um, the the first net authority, as Tommy indicated, was um, established by Congress in 2012, and our and the legislation was really interesting. It said that you can either subscribe to a nationwide public safety broadband network, or each state could adopt their own. And um, so, in the early days, the the the, the first employees of FirstNet basically went around the country trying to find out um, where coverage was needed and how and so that we could provide that services and. Um, all 50 states and six territories throughout the nation opted into the federal program. So um, we're, we're nationwide. Um, and it, it's really interesting that, um, you know, as you said before, this is the largest public-private partnership in the history of the country. And it's large because of our 25-year contract with AT&T, as well as the millions of dollars that this generates. From a federal perspective, our job basically is contract administration to make sure AT&T does what the contract requires them to do. But in addition to go to public safety and say, okay, what do you need out of a network? What do you need out of a public safety broadband network? And then go about the process of investing in that. We have, from the federal perspective, we have $18 billion over the next 20 years to invest in the network. We've already done one round of investment and that has uh, improved our, our core to 5G. And that was necessary because back in 2012, when this all started, there was no 5G, it was all 4G. And as a matter, and as a matter of fact, 4G was just new. Um, and then we've um, invested in a, in a bunch of deployable devices so that if a tower goes down or you know whether it's um, a weather event, a hurricane or a tornado, um, Subscribers to FirstNet can call deployable devices, and they come out and they help stand up the network, um, so public safety can continue to operate. So, um, and then you know our our, our colleagues there in AT and T, and Tommy can tell you more about that. But you know they're just wonderful. They, they've done a great job building out. Um, our first five years of operation ends in March of next year, and they're about 99 complete percent complete of putting towers up where public safety said they needed the work, um, you know, have created a whole ecosystem for devices as well as applications. So um, in a very short time, we're, we're, we've done a lot of good work. Well, yeah, I think that I think that you look at this and and things are put in place, right? You, ha- you have the federal backing, you have the federal funding, and you have the private uh, innovation uh, that's brought in through AT&T. But let, let's cut some of the fat off of this and discuss how does this impact and how does this make EMS and the life of those within EMS easier? And, and maybe, Tommy, you can touch upon that to explain you know, why FirstNet is so important and maybe also touch upon some of the confusion that exists with FirstNet. Back in uh, Colorado Springs, uh, I grew up in Colorado Springs Fire Department. I was a paramedic and I rode the rigs and transporting patients and doing all those things. And one of the things that we discovered uh, uh, was that our call volume was increasing at an exponential rate. And uh, a lot of times there weren't resources available to keep up with call volume. And so we tried to find innovative ways to manage patients without transporting them to the hospital. And then the Affordable Care Act came into place and there were some things, some stipulations that were placed on hospitals 
about patients being transported to hospital. And so we started what we call the CARES program in Colorado Springs. And we started diving into the data to see uh, what we were, were doing with our patients. And what we discovered that a lot of times, uh, a lot of the calls that we went on, they were medical calls, but not necessarily emergency medical calls, which required a transport to the hospital. And so we're looking for a way to ultimately serve the patient better instead of loading them up, taking them to the hospital, and they sit in the emergency room and go home uh, an hour or two later and only to return to the emergency room the next day. Uh, that led us to believe that we could be doing our business a lot better. And so we partnered with the hospitals and we started the CARES program. And so we worked with hospitals to identify a group of patients that the hospitals knew um, and that we would partner with them to go out and see these patients outside of a 911 call to be proactive. Because one of the things that the fire service is very good about is responding and reacting to things, but we wanted to find a way that we could be more proactive. And what this requires was a lot of data, uh, sometimes video, uh, sometimes instead of going out uh, with, on a 911 call, going to a patient, seeing them before an emergency happens, scheduling a patient, visit uh, with our paramedics and video in video conferencing with the doctor back at the hospital and so having a reliable network where you're guaranteed when you're going to get to that patient's house and you connect with the doctor that that is a reliable network and you're not going to get dropped and also you have priority and preemption so if other things are happening around you commercial traffic on other networks you're not competing with the commercial traffic it's reliable resilient and responsive. Uh, one of the great things about FirstNet and being a former first responder is that FirstNet was built with first responders at the table for first responders. And so as we continue to build out the network, and like Gary said, a lot of things have happened uh, within the last four years. And you look at the results of what FirstNet and AT&T have, have been able to achieve in four years, uh, I think the possibilities of what we're able to do with uh, EMS and deliver to EMS and support EMS is absolutely amazing. And one other thing, when I joined the fire service and all of us in public safety, we raised our hand one day and said, we support the mission of public safety, which is protecting life, property, and the environment. And that, you know, sticks with me yet today as I work with FirstNet, recognizing that the mission of public safety hasn't changed at all. And the people that, re that depend on them to be there to respond when they call is still critically important. So I take that mindset in to work with me at FirstNet, and I'm sure the the when FirstNet was first uh, created, those that sat around the table sat around the table with uh, FirstNet and AT and T kept that at the forefront of their minds, fulfilling that mission. So there's a lot of things that uh, FirstNet offers to uh, EMS departments. A lot of EMS departments are very rural. Uh, we have equipment that extends the coverage outside of urban areas. Uh, also in disasters, when things happen, hurricanes, tornadoes, wildfires, and you're in an area that's outside of normal coverage or cell tower. Uh, like Gary mentioned, we have deployables. Uh, it's no cost to those agencies that are subscribed with FirstNet that we send out a deployable to make sure they have good network coverage in the areas they're responding to. And so I tell people, where you go, we go also. Yeah, it, it, that's a really interesting answer. And I think it really supports, you know, the theory that I had, and I was speaking to Gary earlier, about the misconception, I think, 
maybe even a bit ignorance uh, in the minds of many that FirstNet is just for uh, two-way radio communications and interoperability. You know, I think that like, you know, Gary was talking about earlier um, with this whole of care approach, you know, we have technology that is old technology one day later. Um, and I think Gary, you know, you had spoken about one, you know, buzzword with respect to, you know, why we're able, why FirstNet is so important with this type of video, telehealth, that type of stuff. And, and, and maybe you could touch upon a little bit more, but the whole theory of encryption. Sure. And, and that's, that's why, you know, the FirstNet network or the nationwide public safety broadband network is the real moniker of it. But that's why it's ready built for EMS because it's end-to-end encrypted, right? Um, unlike any other network, we're, we're HIPAA compliant from the get-go. Um, and th- th- think of the, the, the first net network as a pipeline, you know, and, and as Tommy indicated, you know, that pipeline never gets clogged for public safety. Um, you're always there, you always have priority. And if by chance, um, that becomes a little congested. We throw commercial, um, AT&T commercial folks off, off of their network and clear that up for public safety. So, you know, that, that gives a whole, you know, gives us the opportunity to do a whole host of things, you know, that would 10 years ago would have sounded crazy. I mean, think of paramedic programs when, when they first started, right. They were going to bring the emergency room into your home. Um, that was the moniker at the time. Um, and they did, but we're going past that, you know, ultrasounds and CT scanners and things like that, that can, you know, ultimately make telemedicine just, um, a, a, a boon for, for the people we serve. Um, and this network enables that stuff. Yeah, no, no question. I think also, you know, you, you look at the inherent delays that we're finding now, um, you know, especially during the COVID era and as we hopefully start to come down from this, but, you know, we're very resource poor right now. Um, you know, we have extreme staffing shortages, so we have to figure out ways to be very, very uh, innovative in the way we approach staffing um, and the way that we try to cut back on delays and certainly having a reliable network that we can, you know, that we can count on so that we can not have those delays and that wall time. You know, for instance, you know, being able to send PCRs over electronically rather than having to leave it by the side, right, and having signed off, that's important because we're back out on the road. Um, you know, I think that those types of things are so important to highlight um, as we look at this first net uh, evolution, really. It's an evolution. Yes, I, I agree with you. And, uh, you know, and, and just like all EMS agency. Uh, dropping patients off at the hospital, you know, there's this thing balloon the curve time, trying to reduce that as much as possible. Giving the doctors information prior to the patient arriving on uh, at the hospital is very important. That's going to help us turn around, dropping that patient off, getting back out in the field because we all are dealing with, or we all were dealing with, resource challenges out in uh, out in the field. Getting, you know, speaking about you know the two way radio and the interoperable approach with that because that should never be lost. Um, that's still something that's extremely important. What about the concern that, you know, interagency voice and data communications um, may become compromised or, or reduced in quality, you know, with respect to intra-agency voice and data, like combining both? Is that something that potentially exists by opening this can of worms? Well, I, 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 at present, it doesn't. 
um, because at present, the times that we've seen network, I mean, really heavy network congestion, um, the first net network has worked just as everybody had thought it would and how the really smart engineers designed it, that, you know, there were the, the public safety providers would always be at the front of the line. And I, I, my story for that is, is that we have people like me throughout the country and there was someone, um, one of my colleagues who covers the DC area was ill um, right after uh, January 6th of last year. So I had to do a presentation for them. And at the, at the end of the presentation, you know, yeah, ask, ask questions and there was nothing. And the gentleman said, you know, I don't want to ask a question. I just want to tell you something. He says, I want to tell you that on January 6th in DC, if you were on FirstNet, you were able to communicate. And if you weren't, you didn't. Um, so that's the proof in the pudding that, um, you know, we have prepared the network really well to deal with massive congestion. Um, and, um, you know, the, the, the spectrum we have is really, you know, they refer to it as beachfront spectrum. So it's really leveraged for public safety to be able to, to, to use that to their advantage. And that's really how the network's going to grow is you're going to have, you know, practitioners out there saying, hmm, I wonder if this would work on this and they'll do it. And it will improve the practice and move everything, you know, sequentially forward. Well, as I mentioned before, I think it's really important that the, the federal side of this, you know, the, the the public side, you know, for lack of a better term, is on board. But, you know, the private side brings that innovation and technology. And Tommy, maybe discuss a little bit of some of that, you know, those aspects that are coming online, you know, soon that are still out there developing. And as I said, you know, technology evolves by the second. But, you know, things that, you know, really piqued my interest and, and I saw, uh, I actually watched a video on it, is the Z-axis uh, component of FirstNet. And maybe you can explain a little bit about that. Yes, yeah, Z-axis is the ability to locate your personnel um, vertically. Uh, right now, there's a product that has been released that allows fire departments to monitor uh, their personnel, uh, EMS personnel, police, law enforcement personnel, on different floors in the building. Also, uh, we're working with the Safer Building Coalition to increase in-building coverage for LTE or cell phones. Uh, we're looking to make sure the standard that addresses LMR or radios is the same as what's required for LTE coverage in buildings. And so making sure that when law enforcement, firefighters, EMS workers, when they go inside of a building, they don't have any issues with communicating out. They have a reliable network so they can communicate out. And there's a whole host of things, of products that are coming out on a regular basis because, again, that public-private partnership has led to a lot of innovation that has increased uh, what's available in the market for public safety. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, those are so beneficial to the first responder community, you know, at large in the sense that understanding what's going on inside a facility um, and being able to track our members is so important, you know, especially in the days of active shooter and, and all these horrific things that we see. Uh, being able to have that technology is is incredible. And, and compound that with, you know, some of the other things like data sensor integration, um, you know, that that support our EMS community, you know, speaking a little bit about the the mobile CT scans. I mean, what are what is some of that technology that's coming out now that's allowing us to do just so much more and bring so many more resources into our job? Well, I, I think the Internet of Things is going to be the thing that when we all sit down at the end of our career, we're all just going to say, wow, right? 
Um, and I, I think, you know, as we mentioned, the scanners, the ultrasound, all of those things that were, were just, you know, you, you wouldn't even think about doing that in somebody's living room. Now that's possible. And, you know, we're seeing use cases out in the rural um, part of the country in the rural parts of the country, excuse me, that, you know, they're able to provide more definitive health care um, than they were ever able to before because, you know, people don't need to drive three hours to see a practitioner. You know, they can, you know, do most of what they need to do, you know, three hours away. Um, and that's just amazing stuff. Um, and it's only going to get, you know, it's it's only going to become more amazing. Um, one of the things that is important to to tell folks um, about the network is not everybody gets on the network. There's a the, the 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 statute that enabled us says that there's a very defined process, and you have to get on the NITS list, National Institute of Science and Technology. If you're not on the NITS list, you don't get on FirstNet. Um, and that's an assurance for public safety, because you want to make sure that whatever comes onto the network isn't going to malfunction and bring the network down. Um, so that, that that really is a big differentiator that, that folks need to understand is that, you know, you, you can't just bring your own device. It has to be vetted. Um, and, and overall, that's a really good thing. It makes all the sense in the world. Gary and Tommy, I really do want to thank you, gents, for hopping on with me today just to to describe and explain uh, the FirstNet product um, and initiative in in greater detail for the listener and for me. Um, I I really do think uh, that FirstNet is building out to to provide us with exactly what we always needed, which is a reliable and interoperable network, which is completely in tune with the ever-changing technology. So again, I want to thank you both for coming on. Yes, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. And thanks for listening. And just a reminder, EMS Expo in sunny Orlando, Florida, October 10th to the 14th. Make sure you register early. It is going to be a can't miss. Uh, The speakers this year are epic, so book it now. And again, I want to thank you for listening. I'm Mike McCabe. Talk soon on another episode of EMS World Podcasts. This has been an episode of EMS World Podcast. You can find this audio and more like it on the podcast page of emsworld.com. You can also follow EMS World on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. 